welcome to the Book of Mormon Evidence podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's Come Follow Me supplemental study is Alma 17 through 22. I will make an instrument of thee. This podcast includes the powerful story of Ammon teaching King Lamoni. In this last episode of the series of four, Rod and Ryan bring in information about Native American practices and more pertaining to these sacred stories. All right, so let's see. So chapter 17, Ammon. Basically, this is Ammon and the King Lamoni. Um, I, we mentioned earlier in the in the, uh, the, the previously in this in this series of podcasts here in, in uh, chapter 17, verse 32, and it came to pass that they went in search of the flocks, and they did follow Ammon, and they rushed forth with much swiftness and did head the flocks of the king, and did gather them together again to the place of water. So this is talking about the the word Jesus. head and how it's used to actually get around in front of the or or, or you know have an intersection with the sheep rather than. Um, go into the place where they uh, started from. All right, so let's see. Ammon smites off the arms of the Lamanites. Chapter 18, King Lamone um, basically thinks Ammon is a great spirit because of his power. Amazing story here. I, I, I love that. But uh, again, you guys have all probably read those things before. And remember, they talk about the great spirit like the Native Americans talk about the great yes. spirit, Jesus Christ, you know? And that is part of this tradition. The great spirit is the Savior yeah. Jesus Christ in their and there, I, I don't hear about that in other cultures. The Great Spirit, only a Native American Indian talks that way, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a throwback to their their, mm-hmm. their origins that's here right. as, the, as the Book of Mormon people. So then uh, Ammon then preaches to King Lamoni, and uh, he talks about uh, God. I, I love this. He says, uh, Ammon said, Believest thou that there is a great spirit? He said, Yea. And Ammon said, This is God. Because he asked him, do you believe in God? And he says, I don't know what that means. Isn't that funny? Isn't that amazing, isn't it? That just that They're word. not making the, the right. connection there. And I think that tells us that another important thing is that the, he, he spoke to him according to his understanding. Yeah. When he first said, do you believe God, in God? He says, go, what? what is that? Yeah. He says, you never well, heard of it. Do you believe in the great spirit? Well, oh, yeah, I believe in the great spirit. Okay. So, you have, so bottom line is, is, folks, when you're talking to the... To other people about the, yeah. the uh, about other people, it's not condescending. You basically you are basically using language that they understand. That's what I meant. So yeah, condescension. Rod's right. funny when he gets. And Emma said, uh, "This is God." Okay. Um, now and then now this is another thing I love. This, this is in verse thirty six of chapter eighteen, right at the very bottom of page two thirty five, um, in the annotated Book of Mormon. The reason why I love this so much is because um, I've, I've actually tried to implement this in my own uh, opportunities to share this research with people, and that is that, and, and this is actually twice. Ammon does it here, and then later on, um, um, one of the other sons of Mosiah actually do it do as well. But as he started to teach King Lamoni, he basically said this. This is verse thirty-six. Now, when Ammon had said these words, he began. At the creation of the world. There we go. And also the creation of Adam and told him all the things concerning the fall of man and rehearsed, rehearsed and laid before him the records and the holy scriptures of the people, which had been spoken by the prophets even down to the time that their father Lehi had left Jerusalem. That validates for us today how important the Bible is to them, how important mm-hmm. the Bible is to us and the Old Testament I mean, some people just throw it off like it's not, hey, I love the Old Testament. There's some cool stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's important that, that people get an understanding of, of where they fit in the grand right. scheme of things. Right. And when you start from the very beginning, from the creation of the world, and you move it up through, and you, and you talk about these promised lands and the promised and the covenant people and so forth, then all of a sudden they understand where they fit in the, yeah. in the grand plan. I can touch and feel Adam at 4,000 B.C. I can't get a hold of pre-Adamites 100,000 years ago or a million years ago. You know, some things are simple enough that they just make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and the Bible has the entire chronology mm-hmm. yeah. that goes back that boom, far. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. King Lamoni is overcome. Basically, we, we know about, we all know about the story here. I just want to get to this is a, and I love the story, but we just don't have time to get into it in more detail than this. Uh, let's just, I just want to move over to um, basically then the Lord commands Ammon to go to the land of Madonai. So Ammon goes over there. 
Um, the, father, the father of Lamoni is angry, and uh, basically they have the showdown between uh, Lamoni and uh, and Ammon, and then Ammon basically strikes the father down, basically, and 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 he says, "Listen, I'll, if you if you don't kill me, I'll give you up to half of my, or he'll give you all of the kingdom." I yeah. think he said. He said, "Listen, I, all I want to have is my 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 uh, my brothers, basically the the, the sons of Mosiah, yeah, or, or the son that yeah." Um, kind of like the story of, of Joseph in the Bible. Yeah, it yeah. says, I, and, and I want your son to be able to reign his people and without harassment from you. There you go. Oh, done. Is that all you want? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, so, so that was pretty cool how that how that actually works out there. Um, There's a lot of people that became second, like Moses and Joseph, you know, and, you know, they became second in the kingship or so forth. Yep. Uh, let's see. That, let's see. There was talking about uh, now the father of Lamoni commanded him. He should slay Ammon with his sword, and then he wouldn't. He says, I will not slay Ammon. And then he became angry. Uh, we actually have a, a wonderful quote here by uh, President Gordon B. Hinckley. Um, it, it was a, a conference report in 1991 that he says that the, he talks about how when anger takes over, the strength of reason leaves. And uh, when, his, when, when um, Lamoni's father became angry with him, he apparently must not, I mean, he he seriously underestimated Ammon's ability to to you know fight with a sword basically, because he uh, you know, wounded him in his arm and then the next thing he knows he's on he's basically uh, at the mercy of Ammon, yeah, and he's pleading for his life. What a great concept to teach to our children, and to, mm-hmm. for us as parents that when you become angry, you lose it. You might as well go away for a while, you know, because. Yeah. Whatever you say or do ain't gonna square it. You know, it's hard. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that King Lamoni had probably had a lot of training, uh, military type training or, or self defense training and so forth. So I think he was taken aback by the fact that Ammon was able to do this, which also I think tells us yeah. that that Ammon had not respected. taken it lightly either. Yeah, he had prepared himself to be able to protect himself and his family and his friends. And, and so you see, forth. all these people as mighty men. These aren't little. Little people, they're they're big, powerful, strong of spirit men. They're like we think of the stud athlete in high school that's six to 185 pounds rippling that gains respect because they're so humble and good. You know, every school has those. And that's kind of like the people you respect in the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. that have that. Um, anyway, so then, so they get the Ammon's brethren are released from prison, and he's a little bit concerned by by the fact that they've been severely mistreated. Uh, while in prison, then uh, chapter twenty-one. Now, when Ammon, this is verse one, and now when Ammon and his brethren separated themselves in the borders of the land of the Lamanites, behold, Aaron took his journey towards the land which was called by the Lamanites Jerusalem. So they had named a city after the the old city, uh, calling it after the land of their father's nativity, and it was a way joining uh, the borders of Mormon. Now the Lamanites and the Malachites um, and the people of Am, Am, Amulon had built a great city which was called Jerusalem. So now Aaron goes and he preaches to the uh, Amalekites there in Jerusalem. Um, this guy's cunning. This yeah. guy is something else. Yep. A piece of apostate work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 And they said, Behold, we have built sanctuaries and we do assemble ourselves together to worship God. Uh, we do believe that God will save all men. And uh, and and but but here Aaron is saying, except you repent, you shall perish, right? And uh, so they began to they're angry with him, began to mock him. They would not hear the words which he spake. Um, and then they can then and they contended with many about the word. Okay, uh, there's other people who came. Aaron, Mulekai, and Emma went to the land of Medani to preach mm-hmm. at this point in time in, in verse eleven. Um, it came to at the verse twelve. Uh, this is, again, chapter 21, verse 12. And it came to pass that they saw that the people would harden, would harden their hearts, therefore they departed, came over to the land of Medani, and they did preach the word unto many, and few believed on the words which they taught. And so then uh, Aaron and his brethren were imprisoned, basically. Um, and then we get over here, uh, Ammon and Lamoni returned to the land of Ishmael, which is where King Lamoni was from, but they, they, were, out, they were there. Came to pass that uh, they think of these important names in their history and yeah. where they started. The, you know, the, they build on that all the time. Yeah, and then we now we finally get finally to chapter twenty-two, which is where we wanted to really finish up here. So uh, Alma chapter twenty-two, Aaron preaches the to King Lamoni's father. 
Um, and basically, so now Ammon was thus, while he was thus teaching the, the people of Lamoni, continually will return to the account of Aaron, his brethren. For after he departed from the land of Madonna, he was led by the Spirit to the land of Nephi, even to the house of the king. Mm-hmm. So he was led by the Spirit right to the king's house. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, which, was over, which was over all the land, save it were the land of Ishmael, and he was the father of the Moni. It came to pass that he went into in the king's palace with the brethren and bowed himself before the king, and, uh, and basically says, O king, if thou wilt spare our lives, we will be thy servants. And the king says, Arise, I will grant unto you your lives, and will not suffer you, you should be my servants, but I will insist that ye shall administer unto me. And so now they teach the gospel now to King Lamoni's father. So similar stories throughout. Yeah of how they treat people and, you know, if you'll do this, I'll do this, or you can have half of that, or you can have yeah. one of my eight daughters, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. King Lamoni's father, the king of the Lamanites, um, must have really had a deep respect for, or for Ammon, I mean, for uh, for what he did, because he, uh, even though he's talking with Aaron, he's going, gosh, you know, well, how come Ammon didn't come? <laughs> he said, yeah. well, and I love this. Now the king said unto them, what is this that ye have said about concerning the Lord? We told, let's see. Now, where does he say that? Um, so they were disappointed they got oh. Aaron instead of Ammon. Well, the king, the king was kind of disappointed that yeah. Aaron came. Yeah. For he says, uh, he says, let's see, this is in verse 3. And now, O king, if thou wilt spare our lives. And he says, uh, I've been somewhat troubled in my mind because of the generosity and the greatness of the words of my brother Ammon. Right. Thy, thy brother Ammon, and I desire to know the cause why he has not come up out of Madonai with thee. And Aaron said unto the king, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord has called him another way. Basically, he, he, he pulled the, the, the revelation card. <laughs> well, and by the way, he gave... The Lord told the him king, to go a different place. He, he got the king to think of something else. That there's, hey, there's not just a great spirit. There's, there's great servants. There's other people that have a spirit within them. So that was teaching the king. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then let's see. So now, the king said to him, "What is this? What is this that they have?" Oh, uh, they said he he went to the land of Ishmael to teach the people of Ammonai. Now the king said unto him, "Them, what is this that ye have said concerning the spirit of the Lord? Behold, this is the thing which doth trouble me." Yeah, he didn't know God. Now he doesn't know what spirit of the Lord means, but he yeah. knows what great spirit is. Yep. And so then he explains that. And so the, the verse nine, the king said, "Is God that great spirit that brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem?" And Aaron said unto him, "Yea, he is that great spirit, and he createth all things, both in heaven and the earth. Yeah. Believest thou this?" And he said, "Yea, I believe the great spirit created all things, and I desire that you should tell me more about this." But how, like that, he was converted. Yeah. Oh, was that the great spirit? That yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I believe. It's like he was ready for it. He already felt it. Yeah. He felt in his heart this was true. Yeah. And now Aaron so Aaron becomes as great as Ammon in his eyes. Yeah, and 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 again a second time now Aaron starts to teach the the king of the Lamanites. And he says, and Aaron saw that the king would believe his words. Or, excuse me. And it came to pass that when Aaron saw that the king would believe his words, he began from the creation of Adam. Second time reading the scriptures under the king, how God created man after His own image, and that God gave him commandments, and that because of transgression man had fallen. And then Aaron did expound unto him the scriptures from the creation of Adam, laying the fall of man before him, and their carnal state, all, and also the plan of redemption. What are the pillars? So he just started to, to go through the whole history of the world. Yeah, what are the pillars in the church? What do the prophets always tell us? What are the pillars about the fall and the resurrection and, you know, pre-earth life? And you know, all these pillars, are they have to be understood. You have to understand what Adam is yeah. and what the fall is. The creation, the fall, the and the atonement. Is, yeah. You know? You have to understand those, and those are going three back great to period. exactly what we're being taught today. Yep. All right, so let's get uh, finalized here. So then, there's a proclamation sent throughout all the land, and uh, this is the in, this proclamation. Is this is the twenty. This is verse twenty-seven. The final destruction sequence. Okay, it says uh, this is from Book of Mormon, chapter one, verse ten. It says it came to pass that the war began to be among them in the borders of Zarahemla by the waters of Sidon. Um, they had to take Zarahemla because, number one, it was their capital city. But number two, once you understand the actual geography, you understand why did they have to take the capital city first? Because it has to do with what's called the Des Moines Rapids. Mm-hmm. It's the only place that they could cross the Mississippi River on foot at certain times of the year. And we'll probably talk about that here as we get going. But they needed to take Zarahemla so they could get literally hundreds of thousands of, of warriors across the river without having to build, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of boats or, or canoes. And so they basically would have crossed the river, forcing the Nephites back into their land bountiful area, and then continued to move there. They began to retreat towards their north, north countries. Then they finally get down here to Mormon chapter 2, verse 6, and we marched forth and came to the land of Joshua, which was in the borders west by the seashore, which had been up by uh, basically Lake Michigan area. And then they continued, the Lamites did give us the land northward, yea, even to the narrow passage, which led into the land southward, and we gave the Lamites all the land southward. I think it's kind of funny that Lamanites are basically uh, really having their uh, <laughs> their their day here with the with the Nephites, and yet the Nephites, from their perspective, oh, and we gave the Lamanites <laughs> that other land, and now we no, got the best land. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, the, no, the Lamanites are basically have you in a corner here now. But this is the thing I find is absolutely fascinating. And that is, if you know something about chiasms or chiastic structures in the Book of Mormon, which is basically, you know, concept A, concept B, concept C, then going back to concept C, revisiting that, and then back to concept B and then concept A. It's a first shall be last and last shall be first. If this history is correct, brothers and sisters, what you're seeing here is a historical chiasm where the Book of Mormon events actually start, and if we go back to the screen here for just a second, the Book of Mormon history goes from Zarahemla and moves in the green direction up to the land Bountiful and then pushes the Nephites all the way up till they get to the Hill Cumorah, which is where the final stand happened. This is where the, the Nephite civilization and nation met its end. West to east. And it was from the, from the south and west to the north and the east. But the gospel, as it came forward, basically went the opposite direction. And brothers and sisters, it's on the same sacred lands. Starting from the hill Cumorah, where the, uh, where the, where the record was, was removed, then it started to land Bountiful, basically Ohio River Valley, where the first temple of this dispensation was built, the Kirtland Temple. And then on to the, uh, to the Mississippi River Valley where the Nauvoo Temple was built, right at the same place as the Zarahemla of, of the Lord, um, according to the Lord in section 125 of the Doctrine and Covenants. I find that absolutely fascinating, that basically God's, God's people and his culture literally go in one direction to the end of that civilization, and then that the next civilization picks up that covenant and moves it back down and restores the gospel, and then ultimately ends up out here in the West. You just can't make things up. I mean, these it's are so beautiful, amazing things. Yeah, but how many of you knew about the idea that this was a historical chiasm or a, or a chiastic structure? It's just it's awesome. All right, so I learned it from so uh, so that, Ryan. I can, I'm going to turn the time over to you because I, I basically want you to kind of take us through. Um, more detail as to how the Book of Mormon events unfolded on the promised land of the United States. Okay. Wow. You know, if we talk too fast, he talks 400 words a minute with Gus up to 650. (laughs) That's why we've got all of this material here. Wow. When he gave it to me at first, and I know you brothers and sisters out there, if you've been on a trip with him or at a conference, the guy literally can go till 2 a.m. in a home or 3 a.m. because I've done it with him, okay? There is so much information, and he's so passionate (laughs) and loves it, and I've caught that passion. If you can't get that passion from this, this is exciting. The Book of Mormon's true. Yes. It's so cool, isn't it? <laughs> so we, we uh, have ended up with our last part of our conversation talking about the land of Nephi and, uh, and specifically the Chattanooga area. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just uh, point out to, uh, to folks here on, the, uh, on, this, on your screen there, if you want to take a look at this, is this the Chattanooga area. Uh, there's a big mountain in the background. You can see the city of, the, of Chattanooga is over to the left-hand side. Uh, and then you see a, a big mountain on the uh, on the far side. There's also, if you take a look at the river, which is, by the way, this is the Tennessee River, and it swings around the city of Chattanooga and then makes a, a huge bend. Moccasin Bend. It's called Moccasin Bend. And that whole area is a, a, is a preserve area, actually. Now, there's so much Native American uh, and material there that they basically have, uh, have disallowed any development of the area over there. Um, and they're going to, in fact, they're, they're hoping to make this a World Heritage Site at some point in time uh, because of that. 
but right at the at the foot of Moccasin Bend, or, or is the, the the Tennessee River basically is at the foot of the mountain where there, and that mountain is called Lookout Mountain. If you ever have a chance to go there, there's a place up there called Rock City, which is just absolutely astounding. Um, that, that that has all these different little. Uh, uh, paths and so forth that you can take to go down through cracks in the rocks and so forth. But a the interesting art, thing, literally, about this uh, about this area is that from this from the top of uh, of this this lookout, you can see seven states, and the states that you can see far, on the far hand far far left side. That this is this is looking basically to the uh, to the to the south and a little bit to the east. Right. But uh, you can see Tennessee. You can actually then see um, Mount Pinnacle. Basically, that's Kentucky and Virginia. You can see the Smoky Mountains and from North Carolina. It's about uh, 50 miles away. South Carolina, about 80 miles away, a little bit further off to the uh, off to the south there. Uh, Georgia is looking further south, and then also Alabama. Excuse me, is uh, is there uh, about 180 degrees from Tennessee. That makes it very unique, and I love this because this is actually talking about King Noah. Um, you know, this was the time frame of King Noah and uh, and Abinadi, which we've already been talking about here, but we haven't talked about the the uh, the geography here and why that matters. Because you remember uh, when we were talking uh, in the pod, on the podcast about the uh, the Gideon and he chases old King Noah up on top of the tower. And King Noah looks out from the tower and he goes, oh, don't kill me, you know, Gideon, because the, look at the, the Lamanites, they're in the, they're in the borders of our land. I see them all. Yeah, well, that must have been some kind of tower, <laughs> you know, if you can see the borders of your land from a tower. But if that tower happened to be perched on top of Lookout Mountain. 2,500 feet elevation. And, uh, the, and you can see almost 90 miles um, in practically, every, well, 180 degree view you know, for over 90 miles, they literally could see people way out there in the distance, maybe at night when they had their fires going, you could see the smoke rising off of it. You could see the lights from their fires at night and so forth. And so they would know that these people are coming, but they had time to gather their flocks and their herds and gather all the people together, you know, and so forth to be able to uh, anticipate the Lamanites coming. And uh, so that's another reason why we think this is this is the by the way this mountain lookout mountain is is the first real mountain that's that's that you could use as a lookout point that looks over all of the all, all to the south Georgia and Alabama and all that the whole direction and that's the direction that that Laman and Lemuel and his posterity would have been coming from so having a lookout constantly up on Lookout Mountain would actually be one of the best ways the Nephites could actually protect themselves and defend themselves yeah. from their hostile brethren. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's just another one of those coincidences. Wow. This just makes <laughs> sense, you know. And but, there was actually ancient structures up on top. That's of it, right. I think. Know? And that's why we chose that to put our first temple of Nephi building it up there. Uh, we're surmising. There's nothing better uh, than to surmise that. Uh, as now, let me show you on this map where Nephi, the land of Nephi, we believe is around Chattanooga in that area. Okay, we want to now take a look at that area specifically of why it's such an important area. You see there on the left uh, in the brown right here, uh, below Moccasin Bend is Lookout Mountain. And why this area is so important is... The city land, the land of Nephi is higher in elevation than the land of Zarahemla. The land of Zarahemla is north of Nephi, but downstream, Tennessee River is one that flows north. That's kind of interesting. A lot of people say, there's no rivers that flow north. There's three or four rivers in the United States that flow north. Did you know that? One's called the New River. You know, one's called the... Tennessee River. Tennessee River. Genesee River. And 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 the the Genesee Genesee River. Okay, it's so cool. And the archaeology shows this habit, this area was inhabited. So that's why we think Chattanooga. Now, when you think Nephi being there and you think of Mosiah being there and so forth, you also think about the waters of Mormon. Uh, We want to give you what we think is a very big possibility. When many of you first met Rod and when I did, we thought a beautiful area that would be a beautiful Waters of Mormon would be Big Spring, Missouri. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge as we have re-looked at some of this geography is that's 420 miles from this area. 
So we don't think it could be that far away. So we've been looking around this area. And as you see on this map, there's two lines, two pink lines. One goes from Chattanooga, Tennessee, kind of north, I'm sorry, kind of southeast, down to a place called Catoosa Springs, which is some beautiful maps. And there's a picture of all this on page, what is it, of the A-bomb? Uh, on, on the Annotated Book of Mormon, it's yeah. basically uh, on page 63. You, were, you oh, mentioned yeah. that before. That you mentioned that painting. That, that beautiful painting. I love these paintings. Ken Corbett is absolutely amazing. He, we've got 25 of his art, pieces of his art in here, and he's amazing. That, but if you take a look at really closely on that, you can see a big bend in the river there. Yeah. What is that river bend? Moccasin Bend. <laughs> there it is. Okay. <laughs> so because of Waters of Mormon needing to be somewhat close, there's also a line directly from Chattanooga straight down to what's called Crawfish Springs, which is a big place where the Union and the Confederates met each other. And there's been battles all over this place. And there's natural springs and there's three archaeological mounds there that have been dated to these time frames. Okay? So we don't just throw out something that looks cool. There's over five to 1,500 springs, little ones, all over northern Georgia. You wouldn't believe how many. And we've picked out two that make it very logical and possible that could be, because it doesn't say that Alma was baptized in a great big river or Water some uh, in fact, he said it, big was, springs. It, was, it said it was a fountain of pure right. water. Which in the borders also, of the land. By the way, eliminates a lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know down in Central America, they, some people think that Lake Atitlan or, you know, there's other yeah. lakes down there that they're thinking. And a thicket of small trees, it says. Yeah. So th it wasn't a lake, folks. It yeah. was a fountain of pure water, which means it's yeah. some kind of a spring. Yeah. And, and it didn't even say it was like any particular size. It wasn't like the largest spring. It just says it was a fountain of pure water. That's all yeah. it says. And so we think this is very likely that one of these springs, we want you to look into it. I have read so much about Catoosa Springs. One of my blogs will be coming out about it and about chat, uh, crawfish springs. There's also a place called yeah. Blue Springs that's by where the Cherokee started their Trail of Tears. That's right. They were also looking very at significant as a very American place. That's yeah. right. Native Americans love that. They, they, they love they, it. A lot of these places, they still come to even to this day yeah. to offer ceremonies and do their do their smudging and so forth. So now what we're looking at is for, for Mosiah to leave Nephi on this map, Mosiah would have had to travel 12 to 14 days, 623. 625 miles if he was going to around Chattanooga up to around Nauvoo, Illinois. And we think it's very doable by 40 to 50 miles per day by a canoe, could walk, but about three and a half, four miles mm -hmm. an hour. Well, the first part of the journey, like they would that. be actually going with the river. Right. Once they got to the Mississippi River, then they would be going against the river. Right. But you have to understand, if you've ever been to the Mississippi River, it looks more and acts more like a lake than a river. Yeah. You know, back, if you're from the Utah area or Idaho or whatever, our rivers run pretty rapidly. Um, at certain, obviously, at certain seasons of the year, the river would run more rapidly. But for a lot of the time, it's it, I mean, you can easily paddle upstream. Yeah, it's it going seems, like it 700 seems, feet to 400 feet elevation. Over the course of, yeah, over, over yeah, several hundred time. feet or yeah. several hundred um, miles. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And so the the when we're talking about geography then, Nephi— the Mosiah, when he died, Mosiah was there, and Mosiah left, was forced out, right? And where would he have gone? Well, we think he took most, more than likely what's called Mosiah's River. Jonathan Neville comes up with that. He calls it <laughs> Mosiah's River, which is the Tennessee River. So if you're living in Chattanooga and follow that Tennessee River that goes up to the Ohio, which goes over to the Mississippi, which takes you right up to Zarahemla. And that becomes a very good route that Mosiah could have taken to yeah. meet up with the Mulekites. Right. Because he basically said he was inspired by the Lord that he, was, that he needed to leave the land of first inheritance. Yeah. Or, no, excuse me, the land of Nephi. And then, and then he, he left and then it ended up. And up he just happened right where the Mulekites are. Isn't that an yeah. amazing another coincidence? <laughs> wow, this is so but they would, cool. <laughs> but they would have been—he would have been going up the same river. And he, he he couldn't have missed them if they were there on the side of the river right. there as he was going up. But yeah, it's it, it just is absolutely you know phenomenal when you when you look at the time frame of this also. Um, in the Book of Mormon, 
um, the River Sidon was not mentioned for the first about 500 years. Right. It wasn't until that uh, that Mosiah went from the land of Nephi up to the land of Zarahemla that all of a sudden he starts talking about the River Sidon. Yep. The first mention of River Sidon wasn't until about 100 years before Christ. So there was 500 years where there was where they, the Nephites didn't know about the River Sidon. And yet how important is the River Sidon today? And yeah. is there a place over in the Middle East called Sidon, Lebanon? And is there a connection on names, you know, yeah, of the, the fish. Hebrew or the Israelitish over there and over here? Yeah. You know, it's just amazing coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, so I mean, that so really is pretty fascinating when you, when you look at the fact that you have the Nephites— are coming up from the 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 um, that they're in the basically southwestern part of the Appalachian Mountains, and they are literally going down in elevation towards Zarahemla, and that's exactly what what happens throughout the Book of Mormon. Whenever they go towards Zarahemla, they go down into the land of Zarahemla. When they leave Zarahemla to go someplace else, they always they go, go up, up out of Zarahemla. Right. But it's just the opposite way with the land of Nephi. Every time they go towards the land of Nephi, they go up into the land of Nephi. Yeah. Every time they leave the land of Nephi, they and go that, down out of the, the land elevation. of Nephi. It's just so so neat. Yeah. It really no matter is. which direction yeah. you go. So, so if you look at a map then of the major lands of Mosiah, we've now left Tennessee. We've gone up to Missouri to the city of Nephi in the land, I'm sorry, in the city of Zarahemla in the land of Zarahemla. So look on the map. The yellow is right around the city of Montrose and Nauvoo, Montrose, Iowa, and Nauvoo. You expand that, the land of Zarahemla becomes larger all the way up into where Chicago was, down to the very bottom of where the head of the River Sidon was, Definitely all the way over the west. Yeah. You know, so that green area is a great big area of the land of Zarahemla. And then there's this land called Manti. Mm -hmm. The land of Manti is very interesting because it, we believe it was part of the land of Zarahemla, but it was its own land, and there was it had its own city called Manti. Mm -hmm. And the prophet Joseph Smith and others went through there during the Kirtland, yeah. Uh, Kirtland camp. camp. Yeah went through there, and there's two or three that wrote in their journals that the prophet Joseph Smith told them this land of Manti is the exact location of where Huntsville, Huntsville, Missouri is today is Manti of the Book of Mormon. Now, is that a revelation? No, but it's another one of those great coincidences. Yeah. You know, that was Joseph Smith wrong? Yeah. Or, did, or, or, or wrong. Did, the, did these guys misunderstand what he said? But actually, if you if you take a look at that at the at the map there, it actually makes perfect sense. In the Book of Mormon, uh, the land of Manti was south. It says about three different times it was south of the land of Zarahemla. And it was also um, close to the head of the River Sidon. Yeah, north of there. Or and, close uh, to. And, and if the head of the River Sidon is the place where a river begins, and that would make the, the River Sidon, it would have to be a north-flowing river because it would be from the head where it begins at Manti and then north past Zarahemla. But instead, if the head of the river is, as, as the uh, Noah Webster's Dictionary also gives a, as, as, a, as a possibility, if the head of the river is a confluence, then what you have is you have the confluences at Manti, and that means it would be a south-flowing river right. because it would go past Zarahemla south down to Manti, which is where the head or confluence is. What we've done is we've checked this out based upon that geography and terrain and time and travel. Yeah. And what's possible is what we're giving to you folks. We want you to pray about that and feel about it. Now, is it going to get you in the temple or not? No, but it's pretty darn cool, as I always say. <laughs> it is so freaking cool. I love it. So now let's take a look at Mosiah's land. And remember, we've still got Lamanite land south of the Ohio River. Now just north of the Ohio River, where the head of the River Sidon is, is Zarahemla, north of there. Well, what about Alma? Alma was down here hanging out with some of these Lamanites that weren't always doing the right thing, but they were seem, seemingly peaceful amongst themselves and so forth, but they didn't have God. They didn't know him or anything. And here we got Alma being one of the priests of Noah, right? <laughs> Standing there being a great priest, and then he's converted. So where does Alma eventually get chased? Well, we believe he gets chased east of Chattanooga, 
mm-hmm. I'm sorry, west of Chattanooga, to which a was place the land of Nephi or the Amiel. city of Nephi as well. Well, that's that's later. Okay, Alma, the elder, the elder. I'm sorry, Alma, yeah. the elder. You're right. Alma, the elder, went up to where, up to that area. You're right. Yeah. I was one ahead of myself. Oh. I'm trying. To, I was talking about Alma, the younger, the younger. But I jumped the gun. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're right. So they all went up there to Zarahemla. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alma had a son named Alma, and Alma <laughs> ended up wanting to find... Why did everybody be in Zarahemla? They wanted to find their land of inheritance or their people of before. See, they all left them in Florida. They left them in Tennessee. They're now up here in Missouri or Iowa. All these people wanted to go back and find them, whether it was Zenith or Ammon or Ammon or whoever. They wanted to all yeah. go back, and King Limhi wanted to go back. You know, They all wanted to find this place or go forward to find it. So we believe that Alma ended up probably somewhere west of Chattanooga around Amulon and Helam, and we'll show you that later why that meets Alma's journey, Alma the Younger's journey. The criteria for his journey. Right. Uh Now, speaking of Iowa, though, Montrose, look at this is interesting. In 500 B.C., to 150 BC, there's been pottery found all over the place that dates to that period. The same thing from 350 to 100 BC, and the same from 100 BC to 280, all found right around Nauvoo and Zarahemla. And this again is the office of the state archaeologist at the University of Iowa. You can look this up and go and research it yourself. There is so much evidence that people lived in these areas. Oh yeah, that is so overwhelming. It again becomes very, very. In fact, I'll, I'll never forget the opportunity we had. We were talking with Alan Harn at, at Dixon Mounds Museum, and uh, when we were recording the uh, Hidden in the Heartland series with uh, with with Kells Goodman, and uh, and Alan Harn is the curator of the of the museum there at Dixon Mounds, and uh, he took us in, up into a back room, and he basically had this big map on the wall. And we looked at it, and there's just all these red dots everywhere on this map, <laughs> and we're like. What are all those maps? He says, those are archaeological sites that we have found. He said there are over 160,000 sites. This is just in the state of Illinois. And he said, he said actually, he said it's, it's actually would be harder to find a place yeah. that didn't have right. an archaeological influence on the land than those that do. He says the only reason why we limit it to 160,000 is because we, we haven't looked most of the land. And you can Only watch 5%. that video for free at bookofwormanevidence.org. Why do yeah. we keep plugging that? Well, look, brothers and sisters, the, it you know, we have to make an honest living. And what better way than to share what we believe, the love for the Book of Mormon? You know, I have I have gotten really tired of these these so-called experts that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from donors that just give them money to go out and look for stuff all over places that have nothing to do with the Book of Mormon. I don't know how much has been found in in Mexico lately, but I don't think much. Well, I know, and I, they I, make a hundred oh to one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand. I tell you, brothers and sisters, we ain't close to that, and we're making sufficient <laughs> for our needs and love every minute of it yeah. because we get to share the truths of the Book of Mormon with you. And I, that's what I love most about you, Rod. I could care less what I make, but let me make it with you. Well, I tell you, you, share your message because I love it. Awesome message. Um, just for information's sake, some people don't, may not know, but, um, uh, what's his first name? Ferguson. That, uh, Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom, Thomas Thomas Ferguson, uh, was, was, he was absolutely convinced that the book of Mormon happened in Central America. He was able to convince some members of the church to give him about, uh, I think it was $500,000 well, million dollars or something like that. The Book yeah, of Mormon, Mormon Archaeological Foundation that all these guys are yeah. part of now. Yeah. That's, that's really Book of Mormon Central is actually a derivative of, of, of yeah. the, the uh, BMA. And they're not neutral. Oh, no, they're not. They, they say they are. But they're not neutral. Which is they not, believe in which is not being truthful. Which I don't think is. Yeah. But you know what? But they have to say that if they're going to get on the church's website, I believe. They have to say that they're neutral. But I don't believe they are. Well, all you have to do is take a look at their articles and every single one that has anything to do with geography has a slant towards Mesoamerica. 
and they try to put down anything. And else. that's not a dig at anybody or but the nevertheless, church or anything. It but really the point isn't. is, is that, that okay. Thomas Ferguson actually was given, you know, I, I can't remember exactly the total figure, but it's somewhere around a million dollars or whatever to go down to Central America for five years and to prove out yeah. the evidences of the Book of Mormon. He came back, wrote a letter to the first presidency, he said. The Book of Mormon's false. Yep. There is no in-the-ground archaeology that can support the claims of the Book of Mormon. He was the foremost expert yep. of his time, at least he believed that to be the case. Hundreds of thousands of spent dollars. All this yeah. money to go down there, and he basically lost his faith in the entire Book of Mormon. And there's a great news article about that still on the Internet you can yeah, read. There is. And then there's his son, who's a good friend of his, who he met in prison <laughs> named Larry, who's a Heartlander, yeah. which is a pretty cool story. Yeah, his son, his son Larry and I actually met. At, 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 <laughs> I, I, I kid people. I say we met in jail because we met at the Carthage jail. Yeah. <laughs> in the Carthage jail there. And uh, he, he actually had been asked by uh, the bishop there in Nauvoo at the time. Who's a dear friend of mine, but anyway, but he he uh, actually uh, was was told if you want to stay here with us, you're gonna have to watch this DVD set. So he made him watch this DVD set, which is eight hours long. Yeah. And he made him watch it twice, and he's so excited about this. And he said, you know what? He says, Rod, if my dad, this is Larry Ferguson. He said, if my dad would have had the kind the the level of evidence that you have been able to find. For the Book of Mormon, he'd have never left the church. Yeah. But instead, because you were looking in the wrong place, and this is unfortunately happening to a lot of kids and so forth out there, um, and we have to say, you know, basically this neutrality thing. The church is officially neutral. We obviously are not neutral. We have we have a, a very open position, and we're very clear and open about that. What disturbs me is when you have groups that that uh, that have always been. Commit, completely committed to Central America. Fair Mormon, the interpreter, well, Book of Mormon Central, well, originally Meridian it was, Magazine. Originally it was farms. Farms. And all the farms BMAF. people, after farms was dismantled, basically, uh, by the church, then then that what happened was is that uh, they kind of formed all these other groups. But their, the, the actual um, mission statement of Book of Mormon archaeological form, or BMAF, was to prove forth the evidences of the Book of Mormon as a Mesoamerican codex. That's right in their in their. But their they've changed it thing. since we brought that up. Well, they say Mesoamerican codex in other places. Oh, okay. They've they've changed that. They've because, changed that. But that was and there that's for okay. years and years. But you know what? They have eighty-five, ninety percent of their stuff is a number one stuff. It's wonderful Good stuff. stuff yeah, I absolutely. for forty years have depended upon. Farms and uh -huh. BMAF and Fair Mormon and Book of Mormon Central. I have yep. loved it. Yep. But when they start getting over there and saying the Book of Mormon geography, and they talk about peep stones with Joseph Smith and a hat, I'm sorry. And they start they start talking about Noah's flood of not necessarily being a real worldwide flood. flood or a real flood. Or they talk about a big museum they got at BYU with all these magrocoronamian men pre-Adamites. <laughs> you know, and when they get in, yeah, they're theories, but it ain't truth. You know, they're well, it theories. Go, it, it goes against what we've all been taught, which, yeah. is, which is one of the biggest problems why we have a faith crisis going on in the church. Because so many people feel like, well, when I grew up, I mean, I was told... You know, that Adam and Eve was the first man and woman, that the earth was created in three different accounts in the yeah. scriptures and also in the temple ceremony. Um, we, are, we are told that Noah's flood was an actual event that actually happened, you know, that it was a worldwide thing. Um, we were told that we actually were were direct descendants from God and didn't come through spirit a series children, of apes and slime and so forth all the way and back. And spirit to cannot be created. And the bottom line is, is that all these things are being pushed and 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 promoted by these scholars, but it's not the brethren who are saying this stuff. It's right. these uh, scholars who think that they um, have more more faith, really, in their science or in their other beliefs than they do in this gospel and the scriptures. Do you know that's where I have a problem. Do you know what, Rod? In the 2016 New Era magazine, it says almost these exact words: "The church." is neutral on evolution. Mm -hmm. We leave it to the scientists to decide. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not neutral on Adam and Eve. 
I'm not neutral on the fact that I believe that we came from them who were created by God in his image. I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe a cat could ever become a dog. And I don't believe slime could ever become a human being. And I don't believe anything, nothing could come from something, okay? Or something from nothing, okay? So I have my beliefs that are strong. Now, I would follow the brethren anywhere they take me because I trust the first quorum of the 70 and the first presidency and the prophet. I trust them. And if they thought it was important to tell us, they would tell us. If it's not that important for them to come out, well, that doesn't mean it's not important for me. It's right. very important for me as part of who I am. Maybe it's important for us to exercise what the Lord has given us, and that right. is the ability to discern. Because they may never the say. The ability to ask the Lord and receive our That's own right. understanding, our, our, our own knowledge. If they, if they, if they spoon-feed us everything, yeah. then what's the, how are we going to grow to become right. more like And that doesn't mean we'll go out and Father preach to you what we That's believe right. is true, because the church can only tell you that. I just believe what I believe, and I'm just a guy. Don't follow me. He's just a guy, a little bit taller and better looking than me, but just a Less guy. Hair. And you know what? He's just taken this stuff and the initiative. And Jonathan and Wayne, oh, and James and Hannah Stoddard. My heavens, what good people that we have that are promoting truth and righteousness. I just, I love these people. I love you guys. You know, Mike LaFontaine and then sitting right over here by me, Mike and and Nancy James for filming all of this. And, and we've got all these wonderful people that believe in the same thing, truth. Yeah. I believe in what President Benson said and what President Kimball said and what Joseph Fielding Smith said and some of these guys that are just right on with Camorra and with evolution and with all this stuff. The origin of species, you know, is, is garbage. Yeah. But the one that Joseph Fielding Smith, Man's Destiny, Oh my heavens, it's good. Even if it was written well, even, even if you go back and you read the two different proclamations by the first presidency yeah. on the origin of man. Yeah. I mean, it makes it very clear that we as human beings did not come from lower life forms. We came from God. He is our our, our spirit father. And we have, you know, all of it. I mean, we, we all should know that, but there's been those who have tried their very best to try to undermine that knowledge and that faith and people and say, well, yeah, maybe there's some room in here that we could actually kind of still believe in the science part of it. And, we'll, and what we'll do is we'll just throw the religion part of it kind of under yeah. the bus. We'll kind of change how we view well, the scriptures. It, it seems and that evil. way we can accommodate the science, which the, right. the science itself has major problems. There are major uh, scientists in the world who do not believe in evolution. Right, and I, I don't... Does it work? I believe evolution is a science of theory, but that's about all I believe. Yeah. But people at BYU, some of them teach it as if it's fact, which well, I don't believe. All of the all of the biology department at BYU teaches it as they, fact. They really do, but that doesn't yeah. mean we don't like them. It means that we're uncomfortable with learning that. You know, our kids, yeah. our kids do not need to learn that we came from a monkey. Okay, they don't need to learn that. They okay, is that well, a theory? Yes. And is that yeah. out there? Yes. And how can I handle talking about it? Right. Yes. But we came from Adam and Eve, who came from the Heavenly Father and Mother. Yeah. Yeah, they need to know about that because it's the dominant theory out there in the right. world. So as they go out in the world, they want don't want to be ignorant about that. But they don't have to be basically they just need to know about it. They don't need to be basically That's right. Spoon taught at it. that they need to believe in it. Yeah. Well, it's the so. same thing with the the Earth. We can get into the whole universal model. Thank you, Dean Sessions <laughs> and Rod. Oh my heavens! Yeah. It's called the magma pseudo theory hypothesis yeah. guesswork. Well, we, need to get we don't need that to stuff. do that. Okay, okay. So that, let's let's go back into uh, the. I'm sorry. The, so the geography stuff. We have here. fun. Don't sorry we? about that. We had a, we had good times. Okay, but we got to keep moving on through this. We've got. Okay, to, uh, let me go to my next here. slide. Okay, here we go. Let's go from Alma. Okay, Alma lived, went east. If you look at this map again, he went from Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we feel that uh, King Noah and his priests were. Alma II was converted, but he was kicked out. So he had to go somewhere close by for the waters of Mormon, 12, 15 miles, we think is a good range that we've guessed. Also, for him to go further away to get away from 
uh, King Noah and so forth, we feel he went towards what we call Helam. Oh, that's too far. Okay. What we call Helam and Amulon, which is by the Pinson Mounds. Okay. Uh, Alma was driven out to an area that is closer to Memphis, Tennessee, but right where the Pinson Mounds are located in east, in western Tennessee. There's all kinds of archaeology there. And the Decatur Mounds are another big one. By the way, and they, Stone they, these Fort. date right into the Book of Mormon time frames, too. Right. The Pinson Mounds is one of the places that we go on our tours. Yeah. And uh, I've got some pictures. And it's Old Stone Fort yeah. right there. And we believe that's all area that Alma could very easily have gone to and lived in that area. Mm-hmm. to get away and then it would have been a, a fairly quick day as you look at this slide for alma it says it took 12 days right he went on a 12-day journey alma the yeah, younger from helam to from helam to, to, to and it's alma. about 480 miles as i've mapped it out which makes it about a 12-day journey it very easily could be as we're being plausible on guessing these estimates okay i want to have a chance to go through and, and just just show people just some of the some of the books here i mean we're not going to go into any detail or anything i'm just going to mostly just just oh yeah these this is the this are some well, you, the, you have this for material. posterity mike for i mean we got so much material that you can use my oh wow you you can have me right. man I like it. oh look at that oh my god i know isn't that so, beautiful from the top the of the museum there's the bag oh there's just so much it's just amazing how you get there, going there's, there's, i mean that was three hours right there almost straight you know, I mean, I'm serious. They're just like, how can you do this? You can't, we're not even, we're only to Alma. We haven't even started. Thank you for listening to the Book of Mormon Evidence podcast. If you like this Come Follow Me supplemental study, click the like button and share it with your friends. Be sure to go to bookofmormonevidence.org, which is a hub with all the links that you would like to the podcasts, to upcoming events, the store, at the 400 answers to the Book of Mormon. It might be fun family night to go over the 400 questions and answers. Visit Ryan's blog at www.bofm.blog. Our streaming site now has over 100 new videos from our virtual expo, bookofmormonevidencestreaming.com.